Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Speak Easy Project podcast. I'm your host, Jay Gatmaitan. For today's episode, we'll talk about the outlook of the economy for 2021 and learn why it matters to us. Join my conversation with Robbie Galang from the International Finance Corporation to know more. Enjoy the show! The Speakeasy Project is a podcast that covers the business topics that matter to you today. Listen with ease to authentic conversations with thought leaders and industry experts to learn about the key issues, insights, and trends that could impact your daily life. Join your host, Jay Got My Ted, and get down to the essence of what you need to know. With Philippine Gross Domestic Product contracting between 8.5% to 9.5% in 2020, the initial hopes of a V-shaped recovery last year were dashed as the country grappled with the COVID-19 epidemic. There are signs of hope. Our government is projecting GDP numbers to grow up to 7.5% in 2021 and 10% in 2022, eyeing a return to pre-pandemic levels. With news of COVID-19 vaccines being made available to the country this year, is there a silver lining amidst the dark clouds? Joining us for today's conversation to give us his thoughts on the economy for 2021 is an economist and private sector development specialist from the International Finance Corporation, a member of the World Bank Group, Mr. Roberto Martin Galang or just Robbie Among Friends. Welcome to the show, Robbie. Happy New Year. Hey, Jay. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, this is great to be able to do this. Thank you for accepting our invitation. Glad you could join us. No, happy to be here. And Happy New Year to everyone. Robbie, before we talk about the economy, I have to ask this question. Are we already in 2021 or am I only dreaming? <laughs> yeah, no, finally, uh, 2020 has ended. Uh, we hope that the bad luck that came with that year, which of course started with the Taal volcano explosion, uh, is coming to a quick end. But sad to say, uh, you know, even though the year has changed, uh, a lot of things are still the same, but at least we can see so many silver linings and we're quite optimistic that this year will be a lot better than the year before. Glad to hear your optimism, Robbie. So the good news is the Philippine economy appears to be showing signs of life in the next two years based on the government's numbers. What is the shape of the recovery looking like? Give me the speakeasy on the economy. Okay. So, uh, yes, there will be a recovery in 2021, but the shape or the speed by which uh, the recovery will happen is actually predicated on one thing, right? The rollout of the vaccine and our ability to get rid of all of these quarantine restrictions. Because currently, uh, even though the relative spread of the virus has slowed in the Philippines, especially compared to what it was you know, in August, um, there are still a lot of restrictions as to what we can and cannot do. And so this is really slowing down the growth of the economy. So we're hopeful that as you know, we get more of these things under control and that cross your fingers, there's not going to be a post-Christmas, post-New Year celebration spike of the transmission, then you know, things should be more optimistic uh, consumer-wise and therefore we should have more people traveling, eating out, you know, buying stuff. And that will surely create a reform or um, an economic momentum going forward. That's what we are hoping for. 
Yes, I think everyone right now is just dreaming not to wear a mask and go on vacation just like the old days. Correct, correct. Yeah, but at least you can see that, you know, a lot of tourist sites are opening up again. The pent-up demand for vacations is slowly being met. But because each of these openings up come with a caveat. So, for example, if you want to go to Baguio, there's a bunch of tests and travel authorities that you need to get. Uh, same if you go to Palawan, Cebu, or Bohol. So a lot of people are still quite hesitant. And this is even beyond the fact that many people are staying at home in fear of the virus. Those that are actually willing to go out are stuck because of all the pandemic requirements that are quite difficult to get. So, you know, until those things are taken out, then you won't see a recovery, at least in the recovery that we are hoping for. So I guess let's just watch out for that. Oh, for sure. Yes. Robbie, since the beginning of the pandemic, the government has championed three major initiatives to revive the economy. The Economic Recovery Program, the National ID System, and the Build, Build, Build Program. How has the government performed in these areas so far? Sige, let's start with the last one first. So the Build, Build, Build will really become the main leg uh, of the economy because many parts of the economy won't be up and running for a while. Right? So the more roads, trains, uh, LRT stations, power plants that we can build, the better. And the government is uh, on the right track in terms of you know, getting these things done. Uh, over the holidays, the Skyway has opened up. And so you can really feel a sigh of relief among people coming from the South Luzon Expressway going up to north that they don't have to go through the traffic of the metro. Uh, in order to move from the top of the country to the bottom, right? So those large infrastructure projects will really go a long way. You can still see all the bridges that are being built, not just around Manila, but all over the country. So so long as we can keep going and accelerating this program, that will be great. Unfortunately, it's not all uh, roses, right? Because a lot of the build, build, build program can be really done by the private sector. And so we were quite disheartened when we saw that, you know, the NAIA proposal to expand the airport, which could have sped up the, not just the opening of the airport, but, you know, pumping in a lot of construction materials, a lot of architectural work, a lot of, you know, contractor labor, you know, in beautifying and uh, expanding, you know, an airport can be done. So if the government could do a lot more on the PPP side, get the private sector more quickly involved, you know, a lot of the ports need upgrading. Uh, a lot of the airports need upgrading, not just Naia. And so we've seen how solid track record the private sector has. When you look at, you know, Clark or Mactan Airport, which are actually now the most beautiful airports in the country. If we could get that effort in place in all the other airports and seaports, then, you know, that's another, how do you say, the accelerator that we can add to the build, build, build. So that it's not just the government taking the financial and the contracting work, but if you can get more of the private sector to put in their muscle, then that would really create another leg for our economy to recover on. That's right. But these projects take time to develop and implement. What are the keys to success of these initiatives? Um, even if you're not able to open up the airport today, just all the construction material, the salaries that you pay construction workers, the employment that it generates will already have an immediate impact, right? So even if, let's say, the expansion of 
sasa port in Davao will take two or three years. The fact that you're hiring, you know, a gang of laborers, you know, you're buying cement, steel, uh, you're getting architects and engineers to redesign a port or an airport. I mean, that already pumps funds into the economy, an economy that is really low in demand right now. And so if you can add more of those kinds of inputs to the economy. So, for example, the moment, you know, San Miguel starts building the airport in Bulacan, that will create such a large economic engine for that area, especially in terms of all the service providers that you will need. And so this is what we really want, is that for the construction sector to expand. Already, uh, I don't know if you've noticed that construction is now one of the top employers of the country. Uh, it's been growing because of build, build, build. So the more construction investments that you have, the better, especially as we expect, you know, a softening in the private construction, because, you know, with the new normal, a lot of office space will remain empty for a while. Uh, some companies will decide not to go back to the office and maybe they will limit footprint in terms of office space. And so you expect, you know, a slowdown in the building of, you know, office buildings or even residential buildings. And so if you can divert most of this effort from private construction to more infrastructure-based construction, especially in terms of bridges, roads, dams, uh, power plants, and all these things that our country needs, then that will be going a long way in terms of you know, moving our economy forward, even though the outputs of these large infrastructure projects won't be seen or felt until you know, 2024, 2025. Well, definitely I agree with you there, Robbie. From what I understand, infrastructure was underinvested even prior to the pandemic. Oh, definitely. You feel it in the traffic, right? You feel it in, you know, our fear during summer that there will be a shortage in water. Uh, you feel it when you land in Naia Airport or in many of the other provincial airports that we have. And so, you know, and these entities make money, right? If you look at how much money uh, the Manila International Airport makes in a year or the Port Authority makes in a year, they, they remit uh, you know, billions of pesos to the national government each year. Um, they're the, one of the largest government-owned corporations. And so you can really feel that these entities with infrastructure, there's funds, there's money to be made. And so it's not from lack of funding anymore. It's really from a lack of contracting out or procurement. That's where the problem happens. And so if we're able to solve that and just award these large infra projects, even if the government does it or the private sector does it, but the key is that we have to start building these things now because you know they self-fund for the most part. They're immediately necessary. And for many of them, there's a large pent-up demand that the moment you complete them, you know the demand will flow in quite quickly. So I guess let's not worry about having it built yet or being there already. But let's start, right? Just put the shovels in the ground. Yes, correct, correct. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's nice to see, for example, that after years in the making, you now have the road going to Lucena, uh, the extension of Eslex towards Quezon and eventually Bicol. It's starting to happen. You're starting to see the train tracks go up in Malolos so that you'll be able to start taking the train from Manila all the way up to Clark. So once you start seeing these things, they really provide an optimistic uh, sense to the country, right? That we're moving forward and that you can already see all the pylons going up. And that in itself is a nice sight to see that creates optimism, that creates jobs. So let's just start. Let's just start building. Okay, Robbie. 
Regarding the national ID system, do you have any thoughts on this? So the national ID is also quite uh, a solid foundation for our future work. The government is now registering a lot of people nationwide. The issue here is twofold, right? That many people in the country, unfortunately, are locked out of government services or even private services because they lack identification. You can't open a bank account without an ID. Uh, you cannot vote without an ID. So there's a lot of things that will be resolved by having an ID. So it's good that the government is finally resolving this. Uh, this national ID program was decades in the making. But again, by the time you register everyone, it will take time. So where the government can really start accelerating this rollout is by getting all of our different IDs, you know, talking with each other. What does that mean? So, for example, uh, one of the largest databases that the government has today is PhilHealth. There are about 100 million people registered on PhilHealth. So that could already provide identification to, you know, more, most of the people in this country. Same with Comelec. Comelec has practically registered everyone above the age of 18. That includes biometric. It even includes your address and your voter uh, district. So these two IDs are the largest databases that we currently have. We also have other databases like GSIS, has a registry of all government workers, SSS, BIR has all of our team numbers. But these IDs don't match. They don't talk to each other. So that's why when you go to a bank, they still require that you present two government IDs, right? So if we can get a system in place, even before you put the national ID, of getting all of these IDs to reflect the single identifier of who you are, right? So that your TIN, your SS number, your voter's registration, your postal ID, all point to the same person. Uh, this will be very, very helpful because right now, because we don't have an ID system, Right? And many people have multiple names. For example, my name is Roberto Martin, Nolan Galang. But some of my IDs just say Roberto Galang. Some have Roberto Galang Jr. Some have Roberto Martin Galang. So even from the naming standpoint, it's very confusing. And I'm not the only one with this problem. We've had people work with us uh, whose birth certificates don't match their driver's licenses. Uh, you have people whose you know, birth certificates just say that don't have a name uh, because the name was registered later. Their baptismal records don't match with their employment names because they, no one just made sure that they all matched, right? So you have these people with all sorts of problems when they get a passport or when they try to register for Ayuda that you know their identities are not precise. So the national ID should be able to solve that. But again, that will take years. But even today, we can already start working on the existing IDs, just getting them to match each other. And that will already make life a lot easier for us. And even especially when you roll out the vaccine, and people need to know who's already gone, who's already had it, who's had the first dose, who requires a second dose, which vaccine did you get? Is it the AstraZeneca vaccine or the Pfizer vaccine? Because your second vaccine has to be the same as your first, right? And so if you can't identify you, then that will be a problem. So we need to really speed up the resolution of this identification so that even the simple thing of getting everyone vaccinated can be quickly resolved. Because in other countries, it's just straightforward, right? They have a big database. We tick your name off once you've gotten the vaccine. But in this country, no one knows who you are until you present your IDs. So this will really be quite an effort for us to get everyone on board. Thanks for sharing that, Robbie. Now I appreciate the role of National ID in these economic initiatives. I mean, we're not just talking about the vaccines, but the social programs and the support of the government to all its citizens. 
Yeah, very true. In fact, it was very hard for the local governments to roll out their social programs because of the fact they didn't even know who their residents were. Uh, so they left it all to the barangay chairman to register people. It was based on, you know, an, practically an honesty system that when people come in, they really are who they say they are. And, you know, you had all these problems now coming up where some people supposedly got more than their share. And it's hard because you don't have a list of who people are. So LGUs are resolving this. Uh, you know, Makati has their citizen card. Paranaque has its own RFID chip card based. Uh, Pasig now has a contact tracing app. So, you know, they're resolving this with technology, but it, was, it would have been easier had we had the national ID. Well, like the Build, Build, Build program, it's years in the making, but what's important, it started already. So let's move forward and build on it. For sure. And it's nice that, I mean, the positive thing about this pandemic, despite the fact that it has caused you know, not just death, but a lot of suffering to uh, many Filipinos, is that it's forcing us to reassess a lot of our institutions. Uh, we're now speeding up the rollout of you know, digital platforms, digital registration, digital payments, not just in the public sector, but also in the private sector. Uh, it's forcing us to resolve issues of identification and IDs. It's forcing us to resolve a lot of these concerns about, you know, social amelioration, subsidies, uh, how to protect the poor. So it's really creating a lot of positive programs, despite the fact that overall, of course, it's been a major negative shock to our society. But at least hopefully we come out of this better, stronger and more efficient. That's very welcome to hear. Robbie, on the economic recovery program, do you have any thoughts on your side? So this is where, you know, the government will really need to step up. It's good that at the start, they come up with a lot of emergency measures. For example, they they required the banks to forego some of the interest payments at the start. They delayed some of the tax payments that were required from the government. They came up with this social amelioration program to be able to help people who are stuck at home to be able to survive. So that part of the equation, at least they got right. But the size of this economic catastrophe is very, very huge. And the government really needs to do a lot more in terms of pump priming the economy. Building infrastructure is only half the battle. They'll need to figure out how to protect more consumers so that they spend again. They need to really put in a lot of financing to help SMEs recover. But for the most part, I think they need to get the basics right. And this is where uh, no matter how big an uh, economic recovery plan that you make, if you don't fix the small things, recovery will be slow. So like what? For example, one of the strange things that the government did at the start of the pandemic, or at least as the pandemic kept going, is to lock down on public transportation. And yes, we understood that at the start, especially, it was hard for government to make sure that people kept to their homes. But it's already been nine months and many jeepney routes are still not running. Many provincial buses routes are still not running. And so how can you expect an economy to recover if you don't allow people to go to the work, right? If you don't allow people to go to the shops, if you don't allow travel, uh, we already have a lot of protocols in place, masks, cleaning, contact tracing. But unless you let people move around, of course, with controls, you can keep controls left and right, but you need to put the transport back on, especially as people need to go back to their home provinces. People need to make sure that their families are okay. People need to find jobs in other parts of the country. And so allowing them to move around is necessary 
for any economic recovery. And we're not just talking tourism here. Tourism is a luxury for many, but to just allow people to go home or go to work, uh, which is a basic right, uh, that needs to be revived. And uh, it's been nine months. So if you if I don't have a bus to go home or if I don't have a jeep to go home, then how am I supposed to you know survive? Yes. I always wondered how the Philippines became the country with the longest lockdown around the world. Yes, so I know that the government is trying to be very careful, which is good given the impact that this pandemic can have. But it's clear that this is an overreaction. It was okay in June or July that, you know, we still kept the system in place because, you know, the local governments, especially nationwide, were not prepared. But, you know, after 10 months, you really need to let people go around. And, you know, we have a lot of technologies to be able to keep people from going to where they're supposed to go. But the basic ones of allowing people to go home, and that has to be resolved because without mobility, there is no economic development. Robbie, Philippine business leaders have said in public that the amount that the government was planning to spend for 2021 was not enough to stimulate the economy. Government will have to spend at least 20% of GDP similar to governments in the U.S. and Europe. Therefore, we need a bazooka, not a pistol. What's your take on this? No, this is quite true, right? I mean, it's already great that the government has achieved investment grade, which allows it to borrow very, very cheaply. It can issue more bonds, uh, especially as tax collection will probably be very, very low this year. So they'll need to exert more effort in really promoting uh, an economic takeoff. So yes, I agree that there is a need to spend more, but I also see that the government is quite hesitant about this. So it will be hard to keep pushing on this matter because this is something that the government seems to be decided on. So that's why I'm thinking that, you know, let's focus on the other things that there might be a greater willingness to reform, like, you know, just getting the mobility to, you know, to go back in place, right? Even communication is still quite hampered. They they should already, the government should also start thinking of getting some of the kids back in school. I mean, not in Manila or Region 3 where there is still a lot of uh, outbreaks. But if you can get a lot of students, even college students, to go back to school in isolated provinces, no? Like in areas where contagion is quite low, are isolated islands, you can start experimenting, right? Because as people go back to school, all the businesses around it also flourish, right? You have the school buses, the carinderia, the, you know, the people selling pencils and ball pens and notebooks. I mean, these things move as the students go back to school. And, you know, and there's no need to have a blanket policy for the country when the impact of COVID is very different depending on where you are, right? So Manila has a very big outbreak, but a place like Batanes has a zero outbreak. So why not let them go back to normal so that we can also start experimenting on how Manila will ever go back to normal too. So a lot of these things they can resolve. It's good that many local governments are now allowing for permits to be issued online, to get travel passes all online, but a lot of governments still require you to go and beat the red tape. So if you can also streamline a lot more of these requirements, that will also be very beneficial in getting more of the economy up and running again. Yes, I see some LGUs leading the way on this. So hopefully the LGUs who are behind would follow. Yes, most definitely, yes. Let's talk about the private sector. What are the industries that are expected to show signs of recovery in 2021? 
So we already talked about public construction, right? So if you're a, a road contractor and the like, you, hopefully with the acceleration of build, 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 that we will get a lot more projects to start. And therefore, you know, that will keep on going. For the rest of the private sector, those that have pivoted towards electronic retail, right? I think that's still going to proceed and continue. Everyone who's selling food or apparel online will be benefited from this. Healthcare is actually strangely down. It's because while people are going to hospitals for COVID, a lot of people that are going to clinics for checkups, for, you know, routine, dental work, etc., um, they're avoiding all that because people are afraid to go to the hospitals. So unfortunately for healthcare, it's actually the reverse that, you know, a lot of doctors that are not dealing with the direct impact of COVID are actually losing business because of the fact that people are postponing uh, medical care, uh, except for those that are, you know, are highly required, let's say like uh, childbirth or, or the like that have a specific deadline. And only essentials. Yeah. So basically you're down to the very, very essentials, right? So let's say the derma will probably take a backseat, but, you know, but all the other treatments that you need to have urgently are the only ones that you're, you're having. So in that sense, it's, it's really a lot of that. Uh, you're having a strange spike also in certain industries like home furnishing. A lot of people have taken their, the time to upgrade their homes, buy better furniture since they're stuck at home all the time. Of course, the telcos are doing very, very well because a lot of us are now moving online, uh, especially also with the lack of uh, you know, local television, uh, a lot of people are ditching cable and moving towards Netflix and the like. So you're even seeing a lot of movies going online. The, the Metro Manila Film Fest has also gone online. So online entertainment uh, will be bigger. Uh, we're hoping that, you know, a lot of Filipino content producers start, you know, moving a lot of their production online so that they can also tap the global markets, much like how the Koreans have done the same, right? Or even the Tur- Turkish uh, TV industry. So those things. And of course, everything digital will be big. Uh, video games, you know, Zoom, uh, digital conferencing, uh, anything that's virtual, those things uh, will be big in 2021. And likely to stay even after the pandemic. Yes. So if you're in the business of, let's say, an IBM or, uh, you know, an Amazon where, you know, you're providing cloud services, a lot of SMEs are moving to the cloud. They're moving more and more of their IT systems from manual to electronic uh, Gcash, Paymaya, these guys are all getting customers left and right every day. So it's going to be big for the Philippines when you go into these kinds of IT development. Robbie, all things considered, what should be our mindset in 2021? What would be the best approach in our spending or investment decisions? I may be looking to buy a car or getting a loan from the bank to buy a house. There may be business owners thinking about expanding their operations this year or hiring people. What do you suggest? Yeah, so if you're in the if your cash flow has already started to increase, uh whether because you know you've pivoted properly towards an IT enabled service or that you're in an area that's you know not really touched by too much friction, let's say you're in logistics or cargo. Uh, areas where, you know, the economy has not slowed down as much, then yes, now is a perfect time to hire people because a lot of people that have been, you know, um, sidelined by the pandemic are up for grabs. Um, Many people who have lost their jobs, highly qualified people, whether they're working for 
call center, a law firm, uh, they are looking for positions now. So if you can go ahead of the curve, then you'll be able to really hire solid staff that might not have been available to you a year or two ago. Similarly, uh, if you have the cash flow, then now's the perfect time to buy a car because you know every car dealer left and right is providing better financing, uh, better discounts because of all the losses that they were they incurred last year. Same if you're, you know, even consumer goods today are a lot cheaper and everything's on sale. So if you have the ability to stock up an inventory, now's the right time. But it has to be a cautious optimism. We don't expect the global economy to accelerate this year, even though the vaccine is already available. It's clear that most countries are still having a hard time figuring out how to get that vaccine to everyone's hand. Not even the UK or the US has enough vaccines at present on its uh, inventory, uh, let alone the Philippines, right, where, you know, there's still no vaccines locally available. So it will take time for you ha- having enough people vaccinated and so that things go back to normal. So if your company is already doing okay, then yes, now's the time to buy. Although for property, I'm, I'm not so sure. This is still a wait and see. Uh, it's not clear how much of property sector will be negatively affected by COVID. But for most consumer durables, I think we're fine. It's time to buy. Words of wisdom to keep us grounded in 2021. So as we wrap up the show, the things to keep in mind are to watch out for the rollout of vaccines and lifting of mobility restrictions as signals of a sustainable economic recovery. Be cautiously optimistic. And finally, if you have cash, take advantage of opportunities during this unique time. Thanks for joining us, Robbie, to share us your thoughts on the economy. You're welcome to come back to the show anytime to chat with us. Take care and stay safe. Happy to be here, Jay. Uh, Thank you for this honor. It was great to have this chat. And yes, anytime uh, you want to have another of these fireside chats, I'm happy to do that. Stay safe, Jay. Happy 2021. Thank you for listening to the Speakeasy Project. Shout out to Bing Kimpo of the Undercover Podcast for helping putting this episode together. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time. 